Welcome to episode 30 of the Retronym Podcast, and today I'm going to be talking about Legend of Zelda, Link Between Worlds, which was suggested by a good friend of the show, Josh. I'm a pretty big Zelda fan, but my love for the series mostly stems from the 2D entries, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. It's a sequel to one of my favorite games. Is this game good itself? I'll, well, I'll let you be the judge of that as I talk about it, but today I'm going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds. Now, I have to start right off the bat and tell you that this episode was picked by a fellow member of the Playwell Network, and that is Josh the Broccolo Man himself. He is a pretty cool guy. He is the co-host of the Backlog Breakdown podcast along with Nate underscore McKeever, and they are super cool guys. You need to go to their Patreon, give them like hundreds of dollars because they're going to do some, some cool work. And I mean, they've already been doing cool work, honestly. They have like well over 100 episodes. I think they're close to like 150. I don't even know. There's so many episodes of the Backlog Breakdown that you can go to. And if you subscribe on the Patreon, you can also get like, you know, bonus like behind the scenes episodes. So like, it's like you double the amount of episodes for just like a little bit of money. It's like, what are you going to do with that money anyway? You're going to buy food? Come on, buy coffee? What are you going to do, pay your mortgage? No, no, no. You need more video game podcasts in your life. Now, the cool thing about Josh is that he is like a super cool, like, musician guy he is super knowledgeable in like all the same ways that i feel like i am except he's actually way smarter than me and he's like my my co-pilot on this magic carpet ride through like obscure japanese rpgs and rhythm games and he's just like really like into a lot of the same stuff that i like and he also likes ultraman and that's cool he's like one of the only other play well network people that like really really like ultraman nate likes ultraman but he hasn't really like dove into Ultraman and I'd have to pay like Paul and Nick to be able to like actually engage with Ultraman in some way shape or form which you know if you give me money then maybe I can do that but I digress let's talk about the game today The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds is the 2013 sequel on the 3DS of a Super Nintendo game one of my favorite Super Nintendo games of all time The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past so hey that's really cool a direct sequel to a game that is so beloved and awesome surely this game must be an instant classic well let's talk about that a little bit so why is the link to the past one of my favorite games on the super nintendo because it's really darn awesome like it's super fun and it's a super hard game not gonna lie but it is definitely like in my like i go back and forth sometimes between which is the better game is it link's awakening or link between worlds but either way both of those games will occupy like my top three Zelda games of all time. And A Link to the Past is just super fun and classic. There's so much like going on with the game, traveling between the light world and the dark world. Why is it called A Link to the Past when there's really no time travel involved? I don't know. That's what Ocarina's time of time is for, apparently. But you get to turn into a little pink rabbit when you go to the dark world. And that's just funny. Like this game is just that game is just fun, honestly. And it had an excellent manga application, an excellent manga adaptation. Very, very difficult words there that came out in the pages of Nintendo Power, which is, you know, Nintendo's like advertising magazine, basically. But I think it was like 12 issues over the course of a year that you could read this entire story done by none other than Shotaro Ishinomori, Mr. Kamen Rider Man himself, who created Kamen Rider and changed like the face of Tokusatsu forever. And that was really cool. What a great magazine. What a great comic. What a great game. How does The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds really compare, though? That is a difficult question. When it was first announced, like, I was hyped beyond belief. Like, 
beyond belief. Not only because, hey, it is a sequel to one of my favorite games of all time. Like, how often does that dream actually come true? And that sequel turns out to be a pretty decent game. Like, it's actually enjoyable. Not very often these days. But anyway, the interesting thing about it, though, is that it's not like a direct sequel. These games aren't necessarily connected in the same way in that it's not the same Link that you're playing as in Link Between Worlds as you were playing in Link to the Past. The timeline just doesn't add up. And honestly, if you've listened to any other episodes I've done about like Zelda stuff, the timelines never like match up ever. The, the, there's no sense in how the timeline is put together. Like It is just slapdash. There was no forethought put into it. That's just how it is. But it basically is the same Hyrule. Like, if you look at the map, it is basically the same map as A Link to the Past. A few different things here and there, obviously, to accommodate some of the new story features. But it is basically the same game. Now, you start as Link, obviously. He is the apprentice to a blacksmith, which is cool. You would think, hey, Link, he is like super like weapon-oriented. Of course, being a blacksmith's apprentice... That makes sense. And his adventure really begins when this creature named Yuga comes to Hyrule and turns people into paintings, which is kind of weird. Kind of a weird motivation. Like, is this a sequel to Super Mario 64 or is this a prequel to Super Mario 64? I don't really know. But throughout the game, you find out that Link gets this power to turn like two dimensional and can like blend into the paintings. Like he's got like the cave painting look to him, which is a really interesting callback, honestly, to like when you see in Wind Waker, when you have these like paintings depicting Hyrule and everything and Link as a legendary hero. And it's a very, very similar like look to it. So I, I really enjoyed that being a big fan of, you know, Wind Waker and everything. So Link can like blend into the walls and he can go around 2D spaces. And that's like really the big mechanic in this game is that Link can do that sort of thing and, you know, go between the land of Hyrule and the land of Lowrule. So, you know, similar to the light and the dark uh, in Link to the Past, this is Hyrule and Lowrule. Lowrule is not necessarily like the dark version of Hyrule, but it's more like the parallel world to it. Like, what if things had gone wrong? So, and I think that's a really interesting distinction. So it's not the dark world, but it is a parallel dark world, if that makes sense to the land of Hyrule. And throughout the entire course of the game, you're meeting different characters and you're solving problems, you know, which is the thing that Link does. And having to fulfill the quest of the Seven Sages again, it's like, oh yeah, this is hitting a lot of the same narrative beats as the Link to the Past. And when I first, like, I should back up a little bit and tell you how I even started the game to begin with. This game was announced and was released while I was in South Korea. And I very distinctly remember I was going to Seoul for a class at this time, right when the game was supposed to release. I think I was like in Seoul, right when it was hitting like midnight time in the United States, where, you know, all the game releases are like at like either like 9 p.m. or midnight. I can't remember exactly which time zone it's like. Four. I think it's for like 9 p.m. actually, because on the West Coast, because it would be, you know, 12 a.m. on the East Coast. I digress. I'm a West Coast guy. I don't know the East Coast stuff. But I had timed it right to like look at my clock and go to the different time zones and see like, okay, it is exactly this time in the U.S. This is exactly when the game is going to go onto the eShop. And this is exactly the time I have to start my download because I was going to a night class. So it was like, I don't know. 
it was the afternoon. I had just gotten off the subway and I was just sitting in a coffee shop in Seoul, right around the street from the corner, uh, the, the, from the school that I was going to, to take my class. And I was like, all right, I'm going to find the Wi-Fi that's in this coffee shop. I am going to add money to my eShop account. I'm going to purchase the digital copy of this game because obviously, like, am I going to be able to get an English copy of this game anytime soon? No. I'm going to be paying like the extravagant, like $20 to $30 import fees just to get an English copy of this game. No. I'm just going to download it for the same price as I would pay for the physical copy. Honestly, I, I didn't necessarily think that I was going to be in Korea forever, but if I was going to be in Korea forever, like, I wanted to just have the game there and not have to think about it, not lose it, not do anything like that. So anyway, I got onto the Wi-Fi, I started downloading the game, and then I was just like, all right, let's put it into sleep mode, let's sit here for a little bit, drink like 10 cups of coffee, wait for the class to start, see if it downloads. And I opened it up, and it hadn't downloaded all the way. And I'm like, mm, man, this is not good. Okay, so... I figured, okay, the best thing for me to do would be go, to go to the school that I need to do, reconnect to the Wi-Fi, start the download process again, and see what happens. And I did. And that's what I did. I spent like three hours that night in class, constantly checking my 3DS, having to answer all the questions from the people. Like, why do you keep checking that thing? Why are you playing games in the middle of class? And it's like, I'm an adult. I can download games in the middle of class if I want to. And so I did that. And then I got back to the little hostel that I was staying at with a roommate. And, you know, we talked for a little bit, but really I was just like... I really want to play my game now. I really want to play my game now. And I eventually did. I played it all the way till midnight. I started it and it was a glorious experience. Like, mm, just hearing the music in this game is like an otherworldly experience when you've played so much of Link to the Past because there are so many similar jingles, but done in such a dynamic way. Not necessarily a remix, but just like a reinterpretation of the music in Link to the Past, and I loved it. Like, just traveling around, listening to all the familiar tunes done in such a brand new way to me, it's like, oh, this really knows how to hit you in the heart. And yeah, you might just say that's nostalgia talking, and it totally is nostalgia talking. Like, I'm not going to lie and say, like, objectively, this game is better because XYZ. No, I'm not going to say that, because I don't know how to measure that sort of stuff. I'm not that smart. I just know how the game makes me feel. And I think it did a really good job making me feel a very certain way about this game. And just going through the different story beats in the game, like, oh, there's just some really good stuff. Like, you got the new like, wall merging mechanic, which plays into the story really nicely. But then you also have, like, a really cool feature where you can take things in a bit of an open world direction. Uh, the gameplay itself was fairly... I mean, it was linear, but not, like, super linear to the point where... The traditional Zelda formula is you go to the dungeon, you get the item in the dungeon, you finish the dungeon with said item, rinse and repeat. You're going to have to do that for every dungeon, basically, and every other Zelda game. Every dungeon has its special item. But the thing that made this game, like, really fun is just because it had the ability to approach things in a nonlinear way. For example, there's a character named Moravio, and you could go to his shop and he will r rent you the items or let you buy the items instead of finding them in the different dungeons. And because of that, you could really, if you wanted to farm for rupees, like right off the bat and get as much stuff as you possibly can so that you're really strong, you could do that. I think I did that like several times. Sometimes it's just nice to sit there and cut grass and get the rupees, you know, do the work and get paid. You know what I mean? And so you were able to do that. Now, you weren't necessarily able to upgrade the weapons easily, and you did need weapon upgrades to enter certain areas. And that was fine with me because eventually you would get everything that you need in order to get the weapons that you needed. 
So being able to attack the dungeons in any order was fun. I didn't necessarily do it in just any order. Like, I didn't just randomly pick because I knew, like, okay, there's got to be, like, an ideal order. And I know I looked it up to see what the ideal order is. But the fact that I could have done it in a different way is pretty cool to me. If I ever go back and actually play this game again, I think that I would definitely try to just forget everything that I remember from my previous playthrough and just do something like randomly. Like I just feel like doing this water area or I feel like doing this forest area right now just because I want to and just explore around. I think that'd be really fun to do with my son sometime actually. I think he's like nearly ready to really dive into Zelda stuff other than just watching us play it on, on the TV because you know, Tears of the Kingdom was really fun for him. But anyway, that's one of the big conceits of the game and I think they do it pretty well. I, I think this really helped to set the stage for what would eventually become like Breath of the Wild style like gameplay to the point where it was like really, really open world. And, you know, Tears of the Kingdom followed after that and had, you know, some cool upgrade features as well, honestly. So I think a lot of what Link Between Worlds did was set the stage for what Zelda could be. It was allowed to be more experimental, which is honestly terrifying like to think about because this is the direct sequel, basically. It's, you know, a spiritual sequel, but a direct sequel that's supposed to evoke the original A Link to the Past, which is the game that really, like, helped Nintendo burst the Zelda name into, like, super big popularity. Like, obviously, Ocarina of Time did that on an exponential scale. The original Zelda itself was no slouch. It was a super popular game. Zelda 2, maybe not so much, but, like, Link to the Past was really the game that was like, oh, this is a really, really good franchise. And making a direct sequel to that, like, ooh, that's kind of scary. There is a lot on your shoulders if you're supposed to make the direct sequel to Link to the Past. It'd be like trying to make, today, a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. That game is held in such high esteem, like, you just really couldn't make a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time and try to explain, like, everything that's come after. Obviously, they did that with Majora's Mask, but, you know, that game is awesome, but, like, you know, it's one of those things that, like, they could have done it because they did it within a year or two, and... It was done really quickly, so obviously people hadn't had a chance to basically DFI Ocarina of Time. But anyway, back to back to Link Between Worlds. I think this game definitely stands like the test of time. I think that Josh brought this up. He he said that he wants to know my thoughts on this because this game was like super, super like hyped up and then nobody talks about it anymore. And honestly, I feel like the only reason that nobody talks about it anymore is because it's on the 3DS. Because if this game came out on the Switch now as like you know, either like a direct port or a remaster or a remake or whatever, however you want to delineate those different style of games. If this game came out in like an HD style, much like some of the other 3DS games have come out, I think this game would actually just absolutely shine. I think the Link's Awakening Switch port was like super, super well received. I think people really loved it. People are just really hungry for Zelda right now. And I think that this game just got kind of lost because there was a lot coming out at this time. Like, I, I'm just thinking, like, okay, Bravely Default was, like, nearby this time because, like, within a year or so, there was also all sorts of different games coming to the 3DS, like uh, Luigi's Mansion 2 and New Super Mario Brothers was very popular at the time. So Fire Emblem Awakening probably overshadowed it a bit because it came around at a similar time. Like, within these few years, you had just absolute bangers just smashing the 3DS and just being, like, super uber popular. And the Wii U wasn't very popular to be perfectly honest, like it wasn't a very popular system at the time. So the 3DS was just selling gangbusters and was sending out all these amazing games. 
So Link Between Worlds probably just got kind of lost in that shuffle because there's just so many other games that are out at the time. But I think it definitely does stand the test of time. I think that it is a genuinely good game. And just the fact that people don't talk about it is, well, I mean, three years later, we got Breath of the Wild. So, like, you know, which game is going to really hold, like, the public consciousness as much? Obviously, it's going to be Breath of the Wild. Pretty sure that was 2017. I can't remember. can't remember the specific year. I'm pretty sure. Oh, it's 2017. So, okay, like, five years later. You know, five years later. So, it, it had some time to cook, but, like really like i'm pretty sure breath of the wild was shown like years beforehand so the hype for that probably just killed any hype for link between worlds after that so but link between worlds it's a great game if you have a 3ds you could probably find this game for pretty cheap you can't buy it on the eShop anymore like i did but it did release as part of the nintendo selects collection of 3ds games that they had which are the cheaper you know reprints of very popular 3ds games so i'm pretty sure you could find it I think even at my local used game store, I saw it for like 15, 20 bucks even now. It may have gone up since then, but I don't know. I'm really tempted to go get a physical cartridge, honestly, because it is a game that I think I would like to try to play again in the future. I don't know if my son's ready for it because it's really difficult, but it is a really solid game. So that's my thoughts on Link Between Worlds. Thank you, Josh, for suggesting it. I hope I was able to attack it in a way that was interesting. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I gotta say about it. It's a great game, great music, I think I'm just going to go fall asleep to Zelda music now. Thank you for listening to the Retronym podcast. You can find me at Twitter with the username at Retronym, that's spelled R-E-T-R-O-N-I-M, and through email at theretronym at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and all of that other fun stuff. I don't even know what it is. You can also check out my other podcast, Henshin Dad, if you are curious about the wide world of tokusatsu. Thanks again for taking time to listen to me today, and until next time, keep enjoying the games that you love.